The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Welcome to the Bunkerzilla Film Raw here at Bunkerzilla UK, your place for all the latest movie news and movie reviews. I'm one of your hosts, Ian Bolton, and I'm joined by one of my fellow co-titans from Triple Titans. It's also Christian R. Allen. Hello, I'm, Christian. Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm barely five foot eight. I've never been described as a co-titan before. Well, you are part of Trivial Titans, which you can also listen to on Bunkers of the UK I and other podcast networks. Yes, you can. I thought you and Jason were the titans and I was the trivial. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that could be arranged. That, that could be arranged. That, that, could yeah. be arranged. Well, that's, that, that sounded really menacing. Uh, for the people listening, Ian did give me a very nasty glance. Just like, like I, I feel like you're about to brutalise me. Well. <laughs> not true. Not true. He, he has permanent puppy dog face. Oh. It's like, just want to stroke him forever. I'm going <laughs> to do it right now. That, that was me stroking <laughs> him. <laughs> uh, anyway, how are you doing? Yeah, just um, obviously it's... um. <laughs> the th the it's just coming off the news of Terry Jones passing. Oh, so yes. yeah, yes, yeah. So why don't we crack straight into the show? And we obviously we talk about Terry Jones, who passed yeah. away sadly this week. Um, did he? He had dementia, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's yeah. The it's, it wasn't. It, was it, it wasn't was a surprise, yeah. to be honest. If you if you if you follow Python and you're you know you're a fan, yeah. uh, my favorite response so far has been from John Cleese. It was a two down, four to go. <laughs> well, John Cleese always looks at the kind of like the macabre side, but then again, that is that is um, that was always the Python's humor, well, isn't it? Ha exactly. Have you have you seen footage from Graham Chapman's um, funeral? Um, that is just a vicious roast from the five surviving Pythons. And uh, my my first my first thought when Terry Jones part went broke the news, I thought, oh, that's that's a shame because he, he clearly. You look at some celebrities, and you're just like, yeah, you're clearly a really decent bloke. Um, just for the impact that they've had on other people around them, you, you will never find a bad thing said about Terry Jones. Um, and then my f my second thought was, oh, the funeral is going to be hilarious. Like I just <laughs> cannot wait. <laughs> oh, obviously, Terry Jones is well known as obviously from Pythons. He, I believe, he directed the films as well. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because both him and Terry Gilliam had directorial ambitions, and they both co-directed. Um, uh, uh, Holy Grail, um, and you can kind of tell that there's there's two different forces there. Not like I have anything against the film; it's one of my favourite films of all time. Um, um, but they obviously they broke away, and Terry Jones he directed the bulk of um, Meaning of Life, which I I I think is very an underrated movie um, personally, and. Um, Terry Gilliam directed the opening sequence. The um, oh, what's it called? Oh yeah, there we go. The Crimson Permanent Assurance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which it was just brilliant. Um, but you could definitely tell that's that's Gilliam, <laughs> and the rest of the film is uh, Jones. But of course, Terry Jones direct um, he directed Meaning of Life, mm. um, um, which not Meaning of Life. Sorry, Life of Brian. It's too many lives. It's, 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 it's a it's Monty Python life. Monty Python life. Um, and it's it's just brilliant. All right, I'm, I've got a little bone to pick with the internet. So everyone's everyone's describing Terry Jones as a very naughty boy, which is nice. It's quite sweet, but he's not the very naughty boy. Graham Chapman's the very naughty boy. <laughs> Terry Jones is the one who calls him a very naughty boy. He's mu he's the mother. Mm. 
he's not the very naughty boy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, R.O.P. Terry Jones, he was a very naughty boy. No, he wasn't. <laughs> oh, he, he, yeah, he <laughs> just goes, he's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. No. Oh. Now, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say this. He's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy, is without doubt the greatest line of dialogue in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm actually looking through Terry Jones' um, filmography. He actually directed the uh, 2015 Simon Pegg comedy Absolutely Anything. Did he? Yep. Oh. Yep, I'm just... I'll I'm have just to give that a little rewatch. He also directed a segment uh, in The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Quite a, quite a lot of big names are attached to that. Mm. I mean, it's, you've got Spielberg and Lucas, you know, <laughs> just like uh, calling in favours. He also directed Eric the Viking. Uh, yeah, that, which is it's interesting because um, that's, that film is responsible for the first son's cut. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. It's just Terry Jones' son, actually. Um, <laughs> they, they, he recut the film for its DVD release in the early noughties. Mm. And so it's got this wonderful label, the director's brackets, son's close, <laughs> close brackets cut. <laughs> it just always made me chuckle. But um, my, my, my one of my favourite Terry Jones movies is, um, I th think, criminally underrated, is his Wind in the Willows adaptation with um, himself and Steve Coogan. Mm. Um, it bombed in the United States because um, Disney were the distributors and they 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 demanded that the film be renamed. Yeah, it's Mr. Toad's Wild Wild Wide. Because yeah, it, yeah it, was, it was a ca cash in on one of the. Um, I don't. Disney went for a long time of trying to make their rights films, and it wasn't until Pirates of the Caribbean where it actually paid dividends. Well, you got Jungle Cruise later on this year. Yeah, the yeah. Rock and well, Emily Blunt. That, well, that'll be a hit because it's you know The it Rock. Yeah. <laughs> so and and, and I've, I've seen I've seen the trailer for it. It generally looks alright. It looks fun. It looks fun. It looks fun. But um, no, no. Um, Terry by. By all accounts, Terry Jones was a that rare thing for like a, a, a famous celebrity who was kind-hearted and a genuine, true polymath. I mean, like some of the scholarly. Mm. <laughs> um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, academics who um, who um, who um, highly rate his um, academic work on sort of um, on Chaucer, um, and he did some many really, really good documentaries for the BBC in the late nineties, early noughties, and I, I don't know if you can get them without. I don't know, legal means, but if they're if on YouTube, definitely check them out. Uh, you'd be surprised how he, he's very good at, um, well, he's a storyteller. So he's very good at um, sort of communicating quite <laughs> sort of otherworldly information for um, for modern audiences, and his documentaries are definitely worth catching. Um, just think, oh yeah, uh, and of course, <laughs> any, any nerds out there will know Terry Jones wrote Labyrinth, the David Bowie movie. Did he? Yeah, he he, he was the screenwriter. Oh wow! Yeah, I think I think cameos in it as well. But um, yeah, Labyrinth is. If you haven't seen Labyrinth, you know I don't know if Labyrinth is a good film if you watch it as an adult, not having seen it as a kid. <laughs> as, a, as an element of nostalgia, I, I, I rewatched it recently. Well, I say recently when when David Bowie passed, I, I sort of watched it to sort of like get over my Bowie sadness. Mm. And I wasn't sure if it was. <laughs> I could tell if I liked it just because I liked it as a ten-year-old. And like, oh well. I mean, oh, I saw Labyrinth many years ago. I think it was part of like a pancake evening or something like that. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. And, or was it Willow? I can't remember. Oh, Willow they're is they're awful. They're both, Willow they're both is, I the same. Willow is genuinely, I think, genuinely, it's Henson working on the effects, isn't it? For both films. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know it was definitely, I uh, know, I think it was Labyrinth. I, I, it's like, <laughs> they both starred Warwick Davis as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's got, he's got a cameo in it, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's it's definitely got charm. The only problem is every time Labyrinth gets a gets a clean up and is released on a new home format, 
David Bowie's codpiece becomes more high definition. And it's generally, te- in, in 4K, it's terrifying. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> all these beautiful pixels on that. <laughs> if you ever meet a um, Goblin King cosplayer, the, um, the thing they put the most effort into is the codpiece. It's just uh, more than the wig. More yep. than like, the, the massive shoulder things, and it's there. But um, long story short, R.I.P. Terry Jones. <laughs> yes, he'll be sorely missed. Yeah. And um, yes, if, if you haven't done already, go and uh, start rewatching some of those classic Python movies. I um, The um, first time I brought my now fiancé uh, around my house to sort of like educate her in the history of film, it was um, on the Monty Python trilogy. <laughs> She's like, we, I showed her my film collection. It's like, um, have you ever seen Monty Python before? And she's like, never heard of them. I was like, <laughs> what? High screech of shock. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it was the, um, I, kn- I knew she was the one when she sort of almost had an aneurysm laughing at the killer rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> which one Which one out of the three films is your favourite? <sighs> I get something different from each one. I, I My personal favourite is um, Holy Grail because it's... I I, ca- I yeah, yeah. I, I caught it as a kid. I was like nine, ten. It just it was just randomly on the BBC late one night, and I just I was up watching it, and it was t- so puerile, <laughs> so stupid. And I, <laughs> and I just I just remember so many of the little bits and pieces throughout the film. It's like with the knights of the round table, <laughs> that little dance when we're able. Because I'm because it's, it's it's brave Sir Robin is my favourite. song. It's slightly off tangent because. Um, when I was really get into anime and going to anime conventions left, right, and centre, I would be watching various AMVs, anime music videos, and a few had been done to parts of Holy Grail, like Not <laughs> to the Round Table. Um, even, even the, the is someone, someone edited Neon Genesis Evangelion to the Black Knight scene <laughs> when uh, I think Oscar's robots being torn to pieces yep. by one of the angels. It's like <laughs> it's but but a scratch. scratch. <laughs> it's like. But you're bleeding. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about the Black Knight is that before he says anything, you know that's John Cleese. <laughs> you can just tell it's the general demeanour. It's like, oh, yes, yeah, John Cleese and that. Um, I, me and my friends, uh, me and Tab and a group of other friends, we actually won an award at an co- um, anime convention for like best skit because we... Um, Do you ever watch um, uh, uh, Saint Seiya? No. Uh, Saint Seiya is based... It's an anime, but every, every character is based on the Zodiac. And so we came out... And these br- ta- my friend Tab made these brilliant gold costumes. We looked spot on. It was great. Um, and we came out and we started with a quote-unquote serious skit. And you could tell the audience were... You could tell the audience were a little bit... Um, oh, God. Here is some pretentious 18-year-olds like doing some quote-unquote drama. And then you hear a sort of vinyl... <laughs> Scratch and then when knights the round table choreographing with giant gold shoulder pads. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of Yu-Gi-Oh style. So trying to dance around with each other with these giant weapons as well, and like it's amazing how you can win a crowd over immediately with just everyone's just independently. Everyone just clapping along. <laughs> it's great. I mean, like, there was no real originality. We we're just ripping off Monty Python, and we won an award. It was going to say, "Say you do it." Yeah, Mon- Monty Python inspired a lot. Of, has inspired many I, um, comedians and comedies. We, um, me and Tab, a few years later, we were, were in Norway because, um, um, and we, we we were asked to do um, a sort of um, we we for a number of years we went to this convention in Norway called BonzoCon as cultural ambassadors. Um, so the we would um. Basically, we'd do seminars on various pieces of British um, nerdery. Mm-hmm. So I, I normally did like a Doctor Who panel. Um, 
Meantab decided we'd do some Monty Python music because it had been banned in Norway. Um, Life, of Bri- Life of Brian was banned in Norway, and the best thing about it was the, um, the tagline in Sweden was, so funny, it's banned in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we played um, um, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and the crowd were dead. Because th- th- these these teenagers had never heard it before, and they mm. took it quite literally. <laughs> like they they generally found it quite upsetting. <laughs> and so we, you know, the show must go on. So we're there going, always look, look on the bright, bright side of life, <laughs> and just hundreds upon hundreds of stony-faced Norwegians. I mean, they were very polite. <laughs> I mean, afterwards, like that was very competent. <laughs> 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 Your singing was accurate. Oh, <laughs> uh, st- Stony Face reminds me of a time. This is going way back to when I used to work at cinema. Mamma Mia had come out. Oh God! And they started do- and they started doing sing along versions. So the cinema I worked in was doing a sing along version on one Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? It, the film uh, it was like a packed house. You know, it'd go. You know what? I'm just going to pop in my head and see if people are, re- are having having a good time. See how the 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 song lyrics appear and all that stuff. I turn my head, looking to the audience, and they are all stone-faced and upset. <laughs> because, Why? Because I don't know. It's like, I came here to watch, not to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know I should be saying Mamma Mia, but I just can't. That's bizarre. The, or the or maybe, maybe they were upset when Pierce Brosnan started singing. I don't know. <laughs> we need a film with uh, Pierce uh, Brosnan and um, Russell Crowe. Singing on set live together. <laughs> are, they, are they the cinematic version of Michael Ball and Alfie Bow? <laughs> uh. <laughs> and with that, that was the news. <laughs> and with that, we need to move on. Yeah, go, go, uh, take home, watch Monty Python. Open, yes, and uh, rest in peace, good old Terry Jones. Right, it's time for a review, and let's talk about Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> Mike, we got more time behind us than in front. Man, please. Because I'm going to be running down criminals till I'm 100. Not me. I'm retiring. What happened to Bad Boys for Life? It's time we be good men. It's Bad Boys for Life. Who the fuck wants to sing that song? Believe it or not, it's been 17 years since the last film. I mean, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a considerable while. It's been about 25 years since the very first Bad Boys. Yes. So when you get a follow-up to a film series uh, with nearly two decades behind its last entry, you kind of... The omens don't really favour you in a way, do they? Well, no, I c- I'd kind of forgotten about these films, to be honest. I mean, like, I, I think the, the first two films, they're, they're very good. I mean, th- there are elements of it that are um, that problematic. Don't, oh, problematic yeah, yeah, for yeah, today. Yeah, well, they were problematic for back then, <laughs> but yeah. they still they haven't aged well. Um, but the the thing that always that sort of elevated them from sort of like their contemporary those contemporary action movies was uh, Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence. I mean, yeah. the, the chemistry between each other was like uh, as any good buddy cop movie should be. But th- but them two particularly together were just absolutely hilarious. Mm. Uh, and I think one of the things especially over the last couple of years when we keep revisiting franchises because we can't really think of many original ideas. Apparently, <laughs> We want money. Because, um, let's see, we've had Rambo Last Blood, which I didn't like. Uh, we we had Terminator Dark Fate, which was all right. It was fine. I think, unfortunately, I think people had had enough at that stage. Yeah, I, th- I think the world has Terminator fatigue. Um, what else have we had? Uh 
with Edwin and Black, and Black came back. Yep. And the thing is, when you keep returning to the well, if it's not a well-polished piece of cinema, and it, I'm not saying well-polished until it has to be pretty acclaimed. Basically, if you're not hitting the audience targets, if you're not hitting the audience targets, what people expect from the film, your film is going to crash and burn. No. I mean, a, a good example um, of, say, especially of action franchises, because action franchises have that knack of carrying on and it just keeps being diminishing returns in a way. So yes. a good action, say, say you look at Taken, look at the original Taken. Yeah, it absolutely. It's like, product. obviously, it's a real sort of, it's a good one shot with Liam Neeson going into action mode. But as the more films came out, so you had Taken 2 and Taken 3, they both uh, like you mean to freakin to keepin to freakin <laughs> yeah and um, basically <laughs> the the issue is is basically it's more of the same and you clearly tell that people aren't really invested in it anymore no it's a lazy rehash no. and um uh, cinema audiences aren't stupid they they will pick up on these things yeah. and get and i and i think i think audiences are a lot smarter than what well, women hollywood takes them yeah, for yeah, absolutely. absolutely and so obviously it's like men in black it's like if men in black's not a men in black film with will smith what's the point of seeing men in black i mean obviously chris hemsworth and team up with tessa thompson yes they were great in for ragnarok but it doesn't necessarily mean that chemistry is going to work well, again no you, i mean yeah it, it may have been specific to those characters i i the fact is with men in black i think they tried their best with the material the issue with men in black is the story is pretty dull, mm -hmm. and it's very easy to guess who the bad guy is from the very start. Oh no! My yeah. my problem, a bit of a tangent because we're not talking about it, but I'm I'm annoyed about Men in Black International because it stopped us having the twenty three Jump Street Men in Black crossover. Yes, which I think would have been more, much more successful. Oh, it'd have been brilliant! It's like yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like yes, I want that. As it's like Jonah but Hill, Channing Tatum, Will Smith, and probably not Tommy, probably no. not Tommy Lee Jones because he. he He's very sort of. I think Tommy Lee Jones doesn't really want to revisit those sort of films anymore. So Tommy Lee Jones doesn't want to revisit like contemporary time. He's just <laughs> he's in a strange state of yeah. not wanting to be. Well, I, f I forgot he was in Captain America, the very first one. Oh yeah, he's he's got a nice little cameo in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like that, that. That ticks my. That's something I wouldn't imagine audiences would go to see because the first of Twenty One Jump Street films were audience hits. Yeah. And it's Surprise hits. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, people didn't expect the second one to be good. But and, then and the second one is good because it takes it takes what made it work and just do it again. But <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, not <laughs> in a way which is it, it's like it's self-referential. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a parody of itself. Well, and it's, it, it's a smart parody of itself. And that's kind of like what I like about Bo Bad Boys for Life is it plays very much on what it's established. Yeah. Um, and you you made a point earlier uh, you, when we were talking about this. You say the problem of these franchises is if they come back after a decade or two, they kind of ignore the fact that they're, they're the heroes have aged. You mean, look at, I mean, look at Rambo. I mean, the fact is when we were doing Trivial Titans, uh, we did an episode of Trivial Titans uh, all about uh, Stallone. And we talked... We talked extensively about the very first Rambo, First Blood, um, which you can listen on all good podcast providers. Um, and the thing that the thing that we all liked, myself, you, and our co-host Jason Freeman, we all liked the fact that it was there was a story there, and there was stuff to get into that character, and you, you felt invested in this character. But over the course of the sequels, you take away the character elements, and it's basically, oh, Sloane's just turned up, all ripped, and ready to kill a lot of people again. Yep. And it's, again it's, it's basically a video game. And with, and with Last Blood, it was, oh, look, Stallone, he's kind of old, but he can still just mercilessly kill <laughs> people. And it just, the fact is, that the story the storyline wasn't great either. It was basically, oh, well, some people have kidnapped my niece, and I'm upset. And now well, I, I mean, that would piss me off. Yeah. Someone kicked up yeah, my knees. Yeah, I mean, ba basically, it was like taking a page out of every sort of taking clone. It was a taking clone in, yeah. in itself. 
But then again, it's like, oh yeah, he can still do this. He can still do that, and it's like. So did you have did yeah. you have similar fears about bad boys? Oh yeah, I mean, cons- considering it, obviously when you look at what Smith's film career at the moment, he's been making interesting films. Some films have done well at the box office, like Aladdin. I know you you were not a big fan of Aladdin. No, I wasn't impressed. No, um, Gemini Man didn't necessarily do well. I think technology-wise, it was an interesting watch. Um, I believe the 4K Blu-ray, when it comes out, you can watch the film in 60 frames per second. It's oh, not, really? not 24 frames, so it will feel like you're watching like a nice, smooth-looking film. Mm. See, you don't have to turn on the smooth motion function, people. <laughs> HDR! Always H- HDR! Always <laughs> HDR. Um, and yeah, and he's just said Spies in Disguise, which again, moderate, moderately successful. It was a bit of a blip, yeah. It, yeah. Wasn't, it, wasn't, didn't, it was all right. Didn't rock the world. Um, so it's it's very interesting to kind of... I think there's issues when you've had films that are kind of moderate to middling success, not a full-blown, this is successful, we've made tons and tons of money. Um, obviously, you worry about what people will be doing when they come back to a property. So basically, the moment... I think, I think I'm not the only one who thought the moment they announced Bad Boys for Life was kind of like, is this a cheap payday for yeah. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence? But... I am happy to be proved wrong by this film. And the fact is, um, Will Smith's uh, Overbrook Productions, yeah, uh, they produced the film, so Will Smith is a producer on the film. Um, and the fact is, you can tell that these two actors seriously care about this franchise because they are really good. They are v- they are very good. They, t- they, take it se- they, take, they take the film serious enough for you to care and be invested, but they also, they're playful enough to like, you know, make it a real fun experience. Yeah. I I didn't stop smiling throughout this movie. Mm. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it, and just found their banter between the two just generally hilarious. I did not stop laughing, and the fact that the the, the whole premise of the film is <laughs> what happens when you become middle aged, but you still think you are that you're that bad boy. And there's just wonderful, there's wonderful parallel editing between, they, they recreate the, those wonderful moving Dutch angles around, you know, r- around the, the sports cars of them getting in and out and their sharp clothes. But this time around, it's just Will Smith on his own doing that cut to Martin Lawrence <laughs> in an easy boy, in <laughs> like hold, um, yeah, pulling the lever of his easy boy in the same way that Will Smith's opening the door to his like half a million pound car, which he could not have bought. On a c- police officer's salary, <laughs> but like, but it's like. Well, oh. no. But apparently, he he his parents were apparently wealthy, so he was kind of he inherited a trust fund or something. That's oh. why. That's why he was. Oh. That's why he has that. That's sort why of he wealth. looks like a, a Miami drug dealer, yeah. even though he's a cop. Yeah. But like, um, but no, they, they play the tension between the two because one obviously wants to retire because he's nearly at retirement age, and yeah. the other is having a existential midlife crisis. It, it does add a really good conflict to the story because it's mm. not it's not this oh there's some bad guys again let's get back on the wagon. It's kind of like oh there's bad guys. I thought it's like well do we really need to go after them? It's like yeah, it's we, it can we just call this a day now and not worry about having to tell people that we're off on a near suicidal mission all the time. <laughs> um, and I think I think. I think that's why it it gets some respect. It, it gets my respect because it's like it embraces the fact that Smith and Lawrence are not in their prime. No, uh, they do make a joke about. It. There's a joke where they try and do a race. <laughs> uh, it's basically, it's basically, if one wins the race, they keep being bad boys for life until the day they die. The other one just goes, "Oh, if it happens, we both retire." And and, and so, and it's it's a, it's a wonderfully tragic sight yeah, watching a, them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's that sense of mortality just make it just adds an extra layer of you know what they actually are aware of what they're doing and what this film is kind of... Because they, they do kind of look towards the future. You have this... Um, the main crux of the story is uh, Smith is targeted by um, the Mexican cartel by someone who wants revenge for an earlier 
um, misdemeanor or whatever like that. Um, we, won't, we won't give it away. No, so. no, we won't give it away. <laughs> I think that there is some joy and joy in, in discovering the storyline for itself. My only criticism of the film, it does, it does feel like it falls apart towards the end. Um, I, think, I think one of my things that I've always found with Bad Boys films is the pacing's really weird. Yeah, it can be quite jarring. I thought this was a lot smoother than if the it, first two. I think it feels more like a it, it feels like a cop procedural in a way because mm. it's kind of you go from one location to one location and stuff like that. It's not oh everything's moving at speed of sound. There are little lulls and gaps, and I think that's that's good for building character. And you have that throughout all the three films. Yeah, um, but they, they all every character does feel fleshed out. Yeah, um, I, I think this is probably the most rounded of the three. I, I think it's the better one. I think it's the best out of the, the entire trilogy, mm. personally. But yeah, with Bad Boys for Life as well, I think with the actual storyline and some of the elements of the storyline, bringing in a young, a young sort of tactical team, ammo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like yep there's still moments of ridiculous there's a team called ammo in here Excellent. made up of um, young up-and-comers like vanessa hudgens alexander ludwig who i who i really like in this film no the they're, they're very good and they actually they, they bring out elements of will smith and martin lawrence's characters that um, <laughs> you haven't quite seen before and i like ludwig as the gentle sort of uh, he's basically a physically imposing he will break you but he's, he, he's pacifist he, he's a very pacifist just innocent guy because basically they have this, this story where basically he's a former bouncer and because of a previous incident where someone has died he refuses to be violent in any sort of way and it's kind of like just watching this sort of build towards like he's gonna have to he's gonna have to get involved eventually and so like that the payoff the payoff is quite nice it's quite it's sweet it it's a bit it it, it's a bit silly all the way through but well i mean i i don't i feel silly for criticizing a bad boys movie for being silly but there are elements towards the final uh, I think it's because all the way towards the final, the showdown mm. is that the action is crazy, but it doesn't feel so ridiculous. It's, 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 like it's fun, ridiculous that you, it's, you don't the. It's implausible, but you don't take you're not taken out of it. It doesn't feel like Michael Bay has just hijacked a, a, tr <laughs> a, a, cr a truckload of cars, yep. thrown them on the motorway, and then thrown a boat. That sounds distinctly like I Bad Boys too. I, I, I think this is the up until the end, it's Michael Bay light, mm. and at the end, it becomes Michael Bay plus. And I it just I kind of last five ten minutes just kind of took it out for me. But I uh, I still enjoy the whole journey. I think it's definitely it is a lot better. Than I thought it was going to be, and that might that might have enhanced the experience for me. Yeah, though. I think uh, even looking at some of the other reviewers out there, I mean, a lot of people are giving it sort of a three to four stars, and just basically a lot of people generally did not expect Bad Boys for Life to be this entertaining. No, and it didn't. And they, the studio could have probably gotten away of knocking, you know, just knocking up a cheap, you know, like, like we were talking about just a moment ago, just like a by the numbers sequel. But no, there's actually been real thought into this, mm. and it shows. And it's yeah, it's I I think it is the best out of the three. I'm torn. I'm not sure to give it three or four stars. I might. I'm. I think. I think at cinema. I think it'd be a strong Saturday night night out. For yeah. For oh, definitely. For I mean, that like that. So the whole audience. So in, in that way, I would say it's four stars. Mm. I would say four stars just. Just, just, yeah. just yes. I think it's like it's like we both said. I think we're relieved and happy that it is as good yes. as it is. Um, again, it's like films pushing their luck. Well, uh, like Toy Story Four. Yeah, it's like again, <laughs> it's like the moment I heard Toy Story Four was being announced, I was like, I, I don't really want this. And, and, Toy Story 4 and they turn out to be very good. And you're yeah. like, okay, I begrudgingly accept this was a worthy addition to but the films, but, but please stop. stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's. I think 
if Bad Boys want to do number four, which I've heard is possibly on the card, it's had it a very good opening. It in the can't US. do four because they've already used four in the title. This should have been Bad Boys Free Life, and then Bad Boys for Life should have been the next one. Yeah, you could have done Bad Boys Ride Again or something. Like Bad that. Boys Ride Again, yeah, that's no. a bit of a dull yeah, title. It'll probably, I mean, they're, they're clearly setting up for. It. It's, I, I'd imagine it feels more like they're setting up for a shared universe because that's you know, kind of like a Fast and Furious style. Universe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't think it'll be a bad boy. It'll, it would be. Uh, I think there'll be more with ammo. It'll be ammo colon a bad boy story. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> get solo in there yeah, somewhere. So, yeah, as well. solo. So each of the members of the team can have their own little solo mo- movies, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I d- I d- and um, yeah, th- but there's definitely a lot of um. I actually, I actually found the setting up for future movies quite annoying at times because <laughs> there, like, there, there is there is one clear we setup. We, we, yeah, we can't, we can't talk, talk about, about it, it, but it, but it does crop up in the end credits. That's sometimes the thing that I don't really like with films is when they're clearly laying down things as a sequel. Just try and take each film as it can. Unless yeah. you're absolutely certain you're coming back and around. Unless you're Kevin Feige. Yeah, yeah, if Feige, you're, sorry. yeah. If you're Marvel and you're doing that, fine. <laughs> but I think any other films at the moment, just, ooh, just, stop. You're, just stop. You're, you're wearing close to it. You're yep. wearing thin. Yep. But um, yeah, I would, I would say comfortably, Bad Boys for Life, four stars. Four stars to cinema. It, I think it may need to rewatch it when it comes to home video. Yeah, I don't know if it's got much repeatability. Yeah, I think it might. I think overall it might be a three star movie, but for I'm I think I'm for a cinematic enjoyment at the moment, it, because obviously we're in award season, so a lot of the heavy films are at the moment. Yes. So if you're looking for something very casual, I think Bad Boys for Life is a perfect bet. I'm I'm gonna go. My gut says three stars, but that's not that's still a recommendation. Yeah, I, I still I agree. Let go out, go out, watch it with your mates, have fun. And uh, you you'll leave the cinema with a big grin because mm. it is it is a fun ride. Yeah. It is a really fun ride. And there you have it, Bad Boys for Life, currently at cinemas right now. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for for this episode of Film Raw. Thank you very much for downloading and listening to this podcast. We'll be back very very soon with a brand new episode. Don't forget, you can also listen to myself and Krishna Allen as part of Trivial Titans on all the podcast platforms as well, with brand new episodes broadcasting first at Bunkerzilla UK. Just head to bunkerzilla.co.uk on Thursdays at 7pm. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, you can do. Just drop us an email at contact at bunkerzilla.co.uk. But until then, thank you very much for listening once again. I've been Ian Bolton, and I've been joined by Krishna Allen for Film Raw. Until then... Goodbye for now. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.